0: This is another episode of The Storyteller Sanctum, and I am doing this because I got such an overwhelmingly positive response on the last one that I did on, on Reddit, on Twitter. I had a bunch of people asking me when I was doing another one, so I wanted to thank you all for uh, the just the outpouring of positive energy and gratitude. I really appreciate it, and I am doing another one today because I've... I've been seeing some people asking about immersion in games and a lot of people are saying, you know, I really want to start storytelling a a White Wolf game or just any other kind of game in general, actually, and saying that they're hesitant to do it because they don't know if they can do an immersive experience for their players. And so they're kind of not wanting to do it at all if it can't be immersive. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about immersion today. Before... We really get into it. One thing that we have to be on the same page on is, you know, what is immersion and why do we want it? And keep in mind that everything that I'm talking about today and with any of these Storyteller Sanctum episodes, that these are my own personal thoughts. This is the way I do things. It may not be what you have experienced or heard or even do yourself. Uh, that is fine. If you take something I said and you find it useful and you use just one part of it, that's totally fine too. If you disagree with everything that I say, that's totally fine. I love talking about differences in opinion and maybe I might learn something. So if you disagree, reach out to me, tell me the way you do things. This is how I learn as well. Immersion for me is when somebody is deeply involved in a story yeah, you, know, you can tell somebody is deeply involved because they get excited about the game. They're saying, hey, when can we play? Or you got players that actually show up. Well, that's, that's always a plus. And the, your players are present in the game. Like when you are running your story, you can tell who is immersed in the story because they're not engaging in distractions. The cell phone is put away. They're not you know, chomping, snacking on a whole bunch of things. They're not having any side conversations, if they're paying attention to what is going on, that's a sign of immersion, when players are engaged in the story-making. And another way you can tell is when your players are engaged in the story-making aspect and not so much going off track or if they are not, I guess, trying to throw a monkey wrench into things just because they think that would be entertaining or more exciting. Uh, And they're, they're more interested in telling... Yeah, an engaging story where bad things happen, consequences happen, and it promotes character growth. So that is one part of immersion. The other part is where, as a storyteller, you create deeply personal experiences for your players. And when I say deeply personal, I mean emotionally and physically personal. Well, let me get into that. So emotionally personal experiences, you're telling the story... You, their character is experiencing something and the player is feeling some of the same emotions as the character you know it's a very sad scene they get really sad or they're scared or even happy and excited when things happen to their character and the physically the they have this they have uh, physiological responses to the game uh, I think everyone who has been a game master or dungeon master really lives for those moments when they describe something that's scary in the game and a player says oh my god my heart's racing so fast like i'm sweating i'm shaking you know i'm having a physical reaction to this thing that you are describing and that's because they're so invested in the story that their body is reacting to what's going on with their imagination so why do we want to do that to our players? Why is immersion such a goal for people who run these kinds of games? To kind of go back to a previous point, you know, storytellers, game masters, dungeon masters, we see that as a sign of success. So like we're, we're doing something that's so entertaining that people are just absorbed by it. Uh, it's a mark of telling a good story. If your story is, or if other players perceive your story as boring or not worth their time, They will definitely not be immersed in it. They will not be as engaged in it as opposed to it being well told, well thought out, rational. And we also want our players to come back. For some reason, having this emotional, physical response to a story is enjoyable for some people believe it or not so we want them to continue to come back and continue engaging continue adding to the story and making it a pleasant experience for everybody so having said that let's get into how to tell an immersive story and this is what i do i always believe that you need to engage all five of the senses that that catches people's attention and it sparks your imagination i mean you can say that somebody smells a certain way but if you describe in detail, like you could say, oh, this character smells bad, that's one – you get one image in your mind, but you say this person smells like burnt machinery parts and rotten eggs, you have a maybe a little bit of a different image. You know, it's like, does this person work with machines? Is he work in a kitchen? Well, what's going on? As opposed to he's just like some stinky guy. And I apologize that that was the first thing that came to my mind, but this is what happens with me. Uh, so, hearing – Don't just describe what somebody's hearing, but if you have some music in the game, like you walk into a club and this particular song is playing, play that song at the table. You know, so the the players hear the same thing that the characters hear. Sound effects. Uh, There's so many apps and soundboards out online now where you can, you know, cue up different sound effects like police sirens or gunshots. And you can play that at the table, creates a more immersive experience. Uh, voices for NPCs. If a different NPC has distinctive voices, if you're comfortable with it, act that out. You know, it, it makes people more m- memorable and it draws people in. Uh, sight. How to engage players' sight. Handouts and pictures, passing things out, showing them on the computer screen. Uh, props, maybe. Uh, some tables, people dressing costume. Venture wears a suit at the table. Sure, a weird flex, but okay. Mood lighting. This is interesting too. If you want, if you want people to become more focused on the action or what's going on at the table, dim the lights around them, and they'll naturally be more attuned to kind of what's going on. Especially if you have candles on the table. Touch. How do you engage touch? Uh, props. We talked about it before. Uh, you know, texture. You know, it's like a. You know, you find sandpaper, and you give them some sandpaper, they can feel it and interact with it. That's pretty cool. Touching players, uh, if that's okay at your table, it can be something that can be more immersive. If an NPC grabs a player by the shoulder, or grabs a character by the shoulder, sorry, and you, as the storyteller, grab the player, it's more of a, it's that, it bridges that gap between player and character. But once again, with permission, consent is paramount. Uh, Smell. How do you engage smell? Sense, uh, cantrip candles makes uh, a good line of, you know, you burn the candles and you get certain smells. It's pretty cool. Essential oils, perfumes. Uh, you want to be mindful of anyone's, you know, uh, perfume allergies. Uh, food. If you're playing a game and at one scene there is a table with a certain type of food, having that food present could help. Which goes into my next part about Taste. You know, if your characters are at a banquet, this may not apply so much to vampire, but other games are at a, a feast, and a certain dish is being served. If you have that dish ready for the players, and the players all sit at a table and eat the same food as their characters are eating and interacting in character, that is a hugely immersive experience, and you may get more, you know, non uh, nonverbal cues from your players that you wouldn't normally get. Another, another way that I like to make my stories more immersive is to have relatable NPCs. Uh, when you're coming up with relatable NPCs or NPCs that evoke sympathy or maybe some empathy, saying that you want to have other characters that your players interact with that are flawed, maybe, maybe pitiable. They're going through some rough times that, or like the players themselves can have some kind of connection. To the NPC, even though their character does not so much. Like if you have an NPC that is very socially awkward and you have a player that has some social awkwardness, they'll instantly bond with that NPC, even if the character is more outgoing. Uh, You want to have NPCs that the characters love or hate. You want to have like some kind of emotional connection with the NPCs. And that's, you know, the sympathy, empathy part, but having more NPCs that are, you know, real... People. Realistic. Not every NPC has to be an overpowered Superman or Superwoman, right? Uh, Another way of telling an immersive story is the story has to make sense. If you are describing uh, like a, a scene placement for a game or even a dungeon and they come across a church, you know, that church better have an altar and some pews in it. You know, it has to be, like, the architecture has to be believable. You know, if you're describing a nightclub and there's no music playing or no dance floor, it, it'll kind of pull people out of it because they're ade- they're expecting one thing, and that thing has to be in there. Or if it isn't, there has to be a believable reason why it is not there. Realistic characters, we talked a little bit about that with the NPCs, but their motivations and their reasoning has to be realistic. Unless, of course, that's part of the NPC's thing, that they're not rational people, but everyone has a motivation. You know, most NPCs don't exist just to serve the PCs. We like to think that, but they have their own agendas, they're living, breathing entities. And the story itself must be logical. You know, the players don't know all the pieces of the story, but you should. You know, even if, if events happen at the beginning of a chronicle or a story that they may not completely understand, through the course of the story, things need to start making sense. Why is the big bad in your campaign gathering up all the women in the town? You know, they go, they explore, they... Learn different things. They fight the big bad eventually, and then they find out that oh, it was because the the big bad thought that the women were being abused in a certain way, and they were trying to protect it, like some kind of motivation for that. You know, most antagonists in stories don't do things just because. Or I just thought it would be funny. I just thought it'd be a wacky thing. There has to be a reasoning behind what's going on in the story. If, you know, there is an increased police presence on the streets. Why did it happen? Investigate. Was it a masquerade violation? It's not usually just because. Oh, you know, I the, the the storyteller just wanted to be more punitive. I mean that that will that has nothing to do with a story. That's kind of metagaming, and it kills immersion. It's always important to be as descriptive as possible. Like we talked about before, engaging the five senses, describing in detail what things smell like or having the actual smells or describing what something looks like or having the actual pictures. That's great, but what if you are playing in just an online environment? You know, you can't cook food or burn scented candles for people online, at least not yet, so you definitely have to be more descriptive with your words. Uh, or be creative about it with the sensory input. You know, Roll20, you can pull up a picture, you can show it to all the players. You can play music online for people. They have all, technology is, is advancing to a point where online role-playing can be probably even more immersive than the face-to-face stuff at times. Which I think is pretty cool. And finally, uh, for immersion, you want to make sure that the players are always engaged. You know, downtime for the for the characters is fine. That's where they can train. They can do things off camera. Players having too much downtime may pull them out of immersion. Don't let a scene drag on that they aren't involved in. Like if there's... Uh, I, gu- I guess to kind of explain that a little bit, like if you are going through a, a combat with some of the players and one or two other players are not involved in this combat. Having a three-hour long combat where you never even address the other players or engage them or get them involved in something is... they're not really going to be interested in what's going on. They'd probably just... I mean, at that point they might as well just leave and say, just text me with how the combat ended. In situations like that, when the party is split, which we tell them not to do that, but they always do that, and things happen in different places, Jumping back and forth. You know, this combat's going on, and then after every round, going, what are your characters doing? You know, what are you doing? It may not have anything to do to, with the fight. They may be trying to get to the fight. They may be having their own challenges. Just making sure that everybody gets to talk at least once every 45 minutes to an hour. Properly, yeah, it's, you know, benchmarks adjust that as needed. Uh, If you're really struggling on how to involve players whose characters are not present in a scene, you want to get them involved, uh, ask the non-present players for scene dressing, you know, or even have them describe certain aspects of the combat or the scene, you know, or have them play out NPCs that they're encountering. Not, this doesn't always have to be about combat. I know I'm using combat a lot, but whether it be having the the players not involved roll dice for the NPCs in the combat, or if they're, I don't know, at like some kind of event, have them play like the prince or a Baron or you know, a knight or somebody, I like those terms. Those terms are interchangeable with Vampire and Dungeons and Dragons. We'll stick with that. That's great. So just getting them involved no matter what it is. Even if it's just rolling dice, even if it's just, you know, every now and then say, "Hey, what color what color is the the duke's shirt?" You know, just kind of get them involved in the story or, "Hey, how many times do Do players ask us what the name of a random NPC that just popped in our head is, and we have to come up with a name? No, the players that are idle, they're not doing anything. You, you're not doing anything. Give me a name, which in a way may make them more invested in the story because they've had some say in it. The best way of getting people to buy into anything is to give them some control over it, no matter how small, or at least let them think they have some control over it, which I guess we might get into that in another one. So let's say that you've done all this. Let's say that you've you followed my tips. You've, you've tried some new things. How do you know that you've been successful in making an immersive story? Well, there's a couple of easy ways of telling. You know, if your players are talking about the game outside of the game, like they're talking to each other, like on Discord or something, going, oh, man, that last night was really awesome. Or next time we play, I want to do this. If they're talking about it outside of the game, that's a good sign that they're invested in the story. I like this. If they use their cell phones less at the table, like they're not as distracted, that's a good sign. If they share an interest, like if they're, uh, you know, if you solicit or if they just on their own come to you, say, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'd like to see next in the story. You know, like I have this this uh, thing in my background for my character that I'd like to see come up. You know, that's great. That means that they're they're thinking about it. They want things to happen in the story. They, they want to guide it in a certain mm-hmm. way. I would encourage anybody who's running games to, to regularly check in with their players saying, hey, so this is kind of what's going on with the story. What would you guys like to see? I always love to do like, you know, what would you want to see more of? You know, sometimes it's, you know, I want more combat. We need more fighting in the game or I want more politics or I want more weird spiritual stuff. But on the other side of that, Players, you need to be careful what you wish for. All right? That's kind of my piece on immersion in games. I hope that somebody out there finds this helpful. If you want to give me some feedback, that'd be great. You can just kind of reach out to me on Twitter at Chadlicious or at in underscore vain underscore podcast or at chaotic underscore podcast. if you have any other tips, tips for me, disagreements, questions, uh, an idea for what you would like to hear in the next Storyteller Sanctum, please, please, please let me know. The only way I can grow and improve is through feedback. So help me help you guys. And I hope you enjoyed this. And I guess I will talk to you next month.